0: I also got to tell you this morning uh, just a story about the way God answers prayer. We got an email and then some follow-up phone calls on Thursday that um, the air conditioning here at Mariner was going to be out all weekend. They're doing some uh, starting some renovation process that eventually will affect uh, the whole campus, and uh, they told us the air is going to be out, so we scurried around and brought in a whole bunch of fans this morning, And uh, but we also saw a lot of our staff, we were really praying hard, God, would you please somehow get the air back on by the time we all show up? Now we really meant, uh, by the time we showed up to set up, but God's timing was a little different, but, but honestly, uh, to our amazement, we set up and we had all these fans running everything and uh, the, our favorite maintenance guy in the whole entire world, Ray, came over about 9 o'clock and said, it's fixed and it's back on. So uh, you guys get to enjoy the air conditioning and God answered our prayer and it is much more comfortable in here, let me tell you, with the air on than it was uh, when we got here this morning and there was no air well, uh we've been talking about choices today and uh, it's interesting that James Patterson and Paul Kim released their findings several years ago from a national survey on morals. And uh, in that survey they asked a number of questions including this question. What would they would you do they asked people for 10 million dollars? What choices would you be willing to make if you were going to get 10 million dollars? As a result of that choice. And here's some of the answers that people gave. In this survey, 25% of the people said they would abandon their entire family for $10 million. 23% said they would become a prostitute for a week or more for $10 million. Yeah, 16% said they would give up their American citizenship for that amount of money. Another 16% said they would leave their spouse for $10 million. Uh, 10% said they would withhold testimony, letting a murderer go free for that amount of money. 7% said they were willing to kill a stranger for that amount of money. And 3% said they would put their children up for adoption for $10 million. And a few of your parents are saying, "Eh, no, no, it might not take quite that much to get there. I wonder this morning, what choices would you be willing to make to secure your financial future? And this morning, I want to advocate all of us making a choice that by God's definition and from His perspective leads to financial success. It is an important choice that we have the opportunity to make. Well, we've been talking for the last several weeks about the ABCs of financial success. We started week one talking about our attitude toward money. And we said that if we're ever going to change the financial condition of our lives, it begins by changing our attitude Money. Last week we talked about breaking the bondage of debt. We talked about really some very practical things that you could begin to do according to God's Word to eliminate debt in your life and not be a slave to your lender. And we talked about the fact that when we begin to eliminate debt in our lives, we are set free. There is a financial freedom that comes with getting out of the bondage of debt and suddenly we realize we are able to help other people in a way like we've never experienced before. Today, then, I want to talk about making a choice. The choice that I want to talk about today is the choice to give to God. Now, please, I realize that for some people, immediately when I say, let's talk about giving to God, there is a resistance that goes up. For a lot of people, they resist even talking about it let alone trying to do it in their lives. And I understand that. I guess I shouldn't be surprised by it because that's really been going on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. If you go back in the ancient history that's recorded in the Old Testament to the people of Israel who followed God, they also demonstrated a resistance to the idea of giving to God. In fact, in a little-known book called Haggai in the Old Testament of your Bible, and you probably never even heard of that book maybe, It's near the end of the Old Testament, just a few books before you get to the New Testament. And in that book is the story of God's desire to rebuild the temple. The temple was in ruins after several years of neglect. And God said, I I want you to give your financial resources to begin to rebuild the temple. And the people have some resistance to that. In fact, they make quite a few excuses about why they can't give financially to help rebuild the temple. And I want you to look at what happens here. Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. And we read this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Now, we realize that anything we read in the Bible is from God, and we ought to pay attention to it. But I think when we say, when we read, this is what God says, we probably ought to pay special attention to it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the Israelites... The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Now I realize, you know, you've got to plan out carefully when it's time to give for a rebuilding project. And not every time is a good time to build and not every time is a good time for a capital campaign. And so the people said, you know, God, this really isn't the best time. But listen to God's response in verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? Do you hear the questioning, maybe sarcastic tone of God's voice there when He says something like this? So you're telling me that it's not time for you to give financially to rebuild the temple, but it is time for you to improve your own living condition and the houses that you live in? Now I gotta tell you, I kinda like verses like that. They're almost an encouragement to me. Because maybe you've experienced it too. I, many times, will hear people saying things, and in reality, they're just making a lot of excuses. And part of me wants to be able to say to them, come on, you know, quit making excuses. And I think that's in part how God felt here. Quit making excuses. And give financially. I have a friend that's a pastor in Illinois. His name is Eddie. And Eddie talks about uh, this guy who has stopped coming to his church. But Eddie runs into him every once in a while in a business that he frequents. And Eddie said that uh, when he goes there, the guy always has an excuse about why he wasn't at church. He went there one day and the guy said, oh, you know, we were planning to come to church Sunday, but everyone in the house was sick and so we didn't make it. And Eddie was very gracious and said, well, I hope everyone feels better and that you make it soon. Another time, Eddie went into this business, and the guy said, you know, we were going to come to church, but we were out of town for the weekend. And then he said, I I understand. I hope you'll make it soon. Another time, the guy said, you know, we we were ready to come to church, but our car broke down, and we just couldn't get there. And Eddie said, you know, I, I understand. I hope you'll make it soon. And another time, the guy said, well, you know, we had company from out of town who came to see us, and they don't really go to church. They don't like church, so we stayed home with them. And Eddie said, I hope you'll make it soon. Finally, guy one time said, uh, you know, Eddie, I was up and I got ready. and I started driving to church, but as I was driving, I saw this guy broken down alongside the, the road. And he, I remember that story in the Bible about the guy who was hurt alongside the road and the people stopped to help him, and that was a good thing. And so I, I realized that I should stop and help the guy and that God would probably want me to help this guy more than come to church. And Eddie said inside he was getting so angry because he's thinking that guy is now using the Bible to make excuses for not coming to church, and he's doing a pretty good job of it. You know why the guy was making excuses? Because he had lost his heart. He had lost the passion. He had lost his motivation. And I think as God looks at the people of Israel and hears their excuse making, He realizes they've lost their motivation. And I think that's in part why He says to them, oh, so you can't give, financially to help rebuild my house, but you can improve the living conditions of your own houses. Now elsewhere in the Old Testament, God says that living in nice houses and having nice things is a blessing from God. So that's not the point there. He's not saying, oh, you ought to live in rundown shacks and be dirt poor. Now I think the lesson God was trying to teach is that when you are experiencing the blessings of God financially, it is wrong neglect giving to God. So today I want to encourage us to make the choice to give to God. I heard about the two men who were shipwrecked and uh, they were near an island so as their ship went down they began to swim towards the island. When they got there they kind of got themselves up on shore and one of the guys got up and he was just I mean, he was freaked out about it. He's like, we're going to die. We don't have any food. There's Nobody's going to know where we are. We're stuck here. We're going to die. We're going to die. The other guy just leaned calmly against a palm tree, very relaxed. And the guy who was upset said, don't you realize we're going to die here? How can you be so calm? And the other guy said, you don't understand. I make $100,000 a week. So the guy said, well, what good's is that going to do us? We're, we're out here where money's not going to do us any good. We're going to die right here. And the guy said, no, you don't understand. I make $100,000 a week and I tithe at my church. Believe me, my pastor will find me. (laughs) Hey, as we talk about the choice to give today, I want you to understand this up front. I do not want something from you today. I want something for you. When we talk about giving, it is not about what God wants to gain from you. It is about what He wants to give to you as a result of your obedience. So let's talk about making the choice to give, the choice to tithe today. Let's do it by answering two questions. And the first question is simply this, what is the tithe? What is it? And the simple answer is a tithe is simply one-tenth, or it is ten percent of all of the income and resources that God has poured into your life. Simply illustrated, it is simply this. I have ten one dollar bills here. And the tithe, the one tenth of that, is simply one of these. God says, I'm asking you to give me one. You keep the other nine. You give me one. You take that other nine and you use it however you want to. Now, he lays out principles for us to use it wisely, but he says, "You're the manager, you're the caretaker of the other nine. it's yours. You do what you want to it. All I'm asking for is one part of it, one tenth of it. You know, the tithe was the giving standard throughout the Old Testament. Now some people have mistakenly thought the idea that the tithe came into existence when God gave the law of the Old Testament to Moses. But that's not true. Actually, the tithe happened even before God gave the law. Now, it's also mentioned in the law of the Old Testament. But what was happening before that? In fact, giving to God goes back almost to the very beginning of creation. If you go back to Genesis chapter 4, and you'll read the story there of Cain and Abel, who were the sons of Adam and Eve, right at the beginning of creation, and you will find that Cain and Abel were in the habit of giving to God. Listen to Genesis chapter 4. Cain brought an offering to God... From the produce of his farm, Abel also brought an offering, but from the firstborn animals of his herd. So Cain and Abel were practicing giving even the first portion, the first fruits of their crops and their herds. Now, where did they get the idea of giving to God? Who told them they ought to do that? I think God did. God set this pattern of giving in motion from the very beginning. If you go on a little farther in Genesis, you'll find that Abram or Abraham also practiced giving. In fact, he gave a tenth. Listen to what Genesis 14 says. Abram or Abraham gave Melchizedek, a ruler, a tenth of everything. Actually, Melchizedek the priest, he gave to him a tenth of everything. So a tithe has always been the giving model. And then beyond the Old Testament, Jesus came on the scene and he endorsed the idea of giving of a tithe. In fact, if you read in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus is having another one of those interactions with the religious leaders of his day, and they were always seen to be in conflict, didn't they? Because the religious leaders had strange expectations, and Jesus had to keep setting them straight. Listen to this interaction, Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. That's the religious types. You hypocrites, he calls them. Well, why does he call them a hypocrite? Well, he says, you give a tenth of your spices or a tithe of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Now, a lot of scholars say the reason that Jesus named those three spices is that they were the smallest of the spices. And Jesus' point is, you're giving a tithe of your income and your resources down to the very smallest of your spices. Then he says, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You've been doing the outward action of giving a tithe of your resources, but your heart isn't in the same place. Your heart's not right, Jesus says. Then he says, you should have practiced the latter. In other words, you should have made sure that your heart, was right. You should have been concerned about justice and mercy, and he says, without neglecting the former. Without neglecting giving your tithe to God. Now, a lot of modern day Christ followers would like the opportunity to script what Jesus says there, wouldn't we? If it was up to us, we'd have Jesus say something like, you know what, you need to pay attention to the important matters of obedience and mercy. And loving God. But that that tithing thing, you can just forget that. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you need to love God. You need to practice obedience. You need to have mercy for other people. And don't neglect giving your tithe to God. And when you study the Old Testament model of tithing, you quickly realize that tithing was not the ceiling for their giving. It was the floor. It wasn't the finish line. It was the starting line. It was the beginning point for their giving. And a lot of times the people of Israel, God's followers, would give more than a tithe. In fact, sometimes they gave much more than a tithe. They were often very generous. Their tithe was simply a demonstration of their obedience. And what they gave beyond the tithe was a demonstration of joy and love and worship for God. I want you to listen to what happens in Exodus 36 in terms of the kind of giving that people were doing from the nation of Israel. Now in this case, God has invited them to give of their financial resources to build the tabernacle, which was kind of a portable tent uh, temple structure it was the precursor to the temple which would become a permanent facility but they had this tabernacle that was a tent-like structure that they would move from place to place and as they were getting ready to to build this tabernacle god invites them to give of their resources and listen to what happens here exodus 36 verse 5 god's talking to moses and he says the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the lord commanded to be done Then Moses gave an order and they sent the word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. They were giving with incredible generosity. They were giving way more than was needed. And it continues. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already, what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. They had given so generously that Moses says to them, that's enough. You've given more than we need. Stop giving. That was the level of their generosity. And you know what? Parting with money wasn't any easier for the people of Israel than it is for us today. Most scholars will tell you the Israelites were probably far poorer and had to work much harder for their money than we do. And yet they practiced extreme generosity towards God. Picture it this way. Imagine a father says to his son, Hey, I want you to take this old friend of mine's daughter out on a date. Now, we all know what kind of date that often ends up being. And so the boy kind of thinks, no way. But grudgingly, he is obedient to his dad's wishes. And he takes this girl out but something happens when he takes her out. He discovers she is a wonderful young lady and he loves spending time with her. And so they go out again and then again and again and again. And what began as a duty for this young man became something of great pleasure. What began as a duty ended up being something he did because he wanted to do it. And while the Israelites gave their tithe out of duty, They often gave way beyond their tithe because they wanted to. And God says to us, it may begin as a duty that trains you to put God first in your finances, but I can tell you today, it will quickly grow beyond that to something that brings incredible joy in our lives and is a great reminder of God's faithfulness to every one of us. Question number two. What if I decide I really don't want to do the tithing thing? I mean, what if I decide that's just not for me? I mean, maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I'm kind of a new Christ follower. Or you're thinking, you know, if I'm honest, I'm just I'm not that deeply committed to this whole thing. And I I don't know, I'm just not sure I could ever give a tithe of my income. Or maybe you're thinking something like, you know, I, I enjoy hanging out and enjoying the benefits that come when other people give like that. But, you know, in terms of me giving to God like that, well, I don't think that's for me. You know what, if, if that's you, I want to tell you, you are missing an opportunity that God has for you. You may dodge the challenge of tithing, but you will also dodge the blessings of tithing in our lives. Let me show you another place in the Bible where it talks about what God wants us to do in terms of giving. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul, a leader in the early church, is writing really to a group of people just like us. Listen to what he says about giving. He says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Now, when are we to do this? Paul says, on the first day of every week. In other words, when we come together like this, Paul says that's when you, you bring your tithes and offerings. Every time you come together to worship with others, that's, that's when you bring this offering. Now, how many of us are supposed to do this? Is this something just for those who are really spiritually mature? Or those, this is something for those who are just really in a deep relationship with God? Now, well, Paul says each one of you should do this. It's not just a select few. But everyone who desires to follow God ought to participate in this. How intentional should it be? Well, he says that you should set aside a sum of money. In other words, it ought to be planned. It ought to be thought out ahead of time. It ought to be managed. It's not just a whim, but it's something that you give careful thought to. And how much do I give? He says a sum of money in keeping with your income. Some kind of predetermined amount that is in proportion or a percentage of the income that you receive as part of God's blessing. Now, if I'm going to give a percentage back to God and I begin to search the Bible for a model for that kind of giving to God, a certain percentage, what model do you think I'm going to find over and over again? It's the model of tithing. It's the model of giving God one tenth. Now, when you hear that, the idea of giving God 10%, do you hear big obligation or do you hear big blessing? Let me ask you this. Is it consistent with the character of God as we know Him in the Bible? If we're really honest, is it consistent with the character of God to take advantage of us financially? Is God really the kind of God who would use you for your money? Is God the kind of God who would burn you if you trust Him with your finances? Or is He the kind of God with the kind of character that wants to bless you when you trust Him? Listen to what Jesus had to say. In His very own words, Jesus made a very clear promise to us about our giving and about our trusting God with our finances. Jesus said it this way, Give, and it will be given to you. And how is it going to be given to you? Jesus says, A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your laps. Jesus says, If you'll trust God with your finances, and you give to Him, He will give back to you in blessings. Not just a little bit, Not just a small amount. No, He will give back to you a proportion that is running over. That is huge. Then Jesus said, For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. And when I trust God with my finances, promises, the blessings will return to us. How? Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Now all those blessings won't be financial. But God will bless us in a number of different ways. We, we honor Him with our finances. God makes a lot of different promises about giving in the Bible. But He also says this in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says, but remember the Lord your God. For it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Don't hang on to what you have forgetting that it is God who gave it all to you in the first place. Don't hang on to what you have forgetting that it is God who gave you the ability and the opportunity to earn money. Don't forget that it is God who gave you your gifts, your mind, your personality that you leverage to earn money. Don't forget, God is the One who gave it to you in the first place. And when you understand that, how can I say to Him, I'm not giving you this when I realize that everything I have has come from Him in the first place. How can I hold back just that one part that He's asked for? You know, whether you think you make too little to tithe, Or you make too much to write that big of a check? I want you to listen to this challenge that God gives to every one of us. It's found in Malachi chapter 3 in verse 8. God's pretty clear cut here when it comes to this challenge about giving. He says in verse 8, Will a mere mortal or a human being or a man or a woman rob God? Yet you rob me. And we want to ask the question that's asked next, don't we? But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And then God says this, bring the whole tithe, not just a part of it, not just a fraction, you bring all of it into the storehouse, into the place where you worship, that there may be food in my house. And then he says this, and I don't think God says this anywhere else in the Bible. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says when it comes to our giving, when it comes to our finances, God says, Test me. Try it. And see what happens when you let go of your finances. When you really allow me to have that area of your life. See if I won't pour out blessings so abundantly that you could never have imagined. Test me in this, God says. Try it. In fact, I don't think it's a stretch to say God says I dare you to try it and see what happens see if I am not faithful to what I've promised God says I dare you let's pray God I I know for a lot of us this is not an easy thing we hold on to our finances we Don't seem to realize that if we really want to grow in our relationship with You, it's just simply not going to happen until we let You have this part of our lives. And God, I'm pretty sure there are probably even some people in the room today that when we started talking about this a little while ago, immediately some walls went up. Some protection went up. Maybe they were tempted to tune it all out. And God, I just pray that You'd work in their hearts today, in all of our hearts, to take away whatever walls that we've put up. God, whatever obstacles we seem to think are in our way of experiencing the incredible blessing You want to pour out in our lives. God, would You help us to just try it? To just test the water and see what happens when we begin to let go of our finances? Because God, I am confident this morning that You will be faithful to what You've promised and You will pour out Your blessings on us. So God, help us to take those steps and to really let go and let You be in control. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we want to kind of practice what we've just talked about. and we...